0: welcome to in conversation with a hollywood reporter podcast produced in partnership with apple tv plus in each episode we sit down with the creators and stars of some of tv's most compelling shows to hear more about what went into bringing these stories to life i'm michael o'connell senior writer at the hollywood reporter and for this episode we're speaking with m night Shyamalan, the executive producer and director of servant A psychological thriller, Servant follows a couple who opens their Philadelphia townhome to a nanny for their newborn baby son, though neither the nanny nor the baby are who they appear to be. Servant is a rare TV foray for Knight, who wrote and directed such monster hits as The Sixth Sense and Signs. He remains active in film. His feature glass grossed nearly $250 million at the box office last year. Knight, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. You, of course, uh best known for the films that you've written and directed. I'm so interested. What was the impetus for you to come on board this project?
1: Well, you know, it's, it, I do feel very close to it. You know, I was there in, from the conception, essentially, when it was, you know, kind of an idea in a pilot form. And so I felt, I, I feel part of it from the beginning. It had the exact right tone that I was interested in and I've been interested in recently, which is this kind of dark inappropriate humor and, and suspense, uh, and an oddness, kind of a, kind of a, you know, a a Lynchian weirdness to it that that's, you know, I I don't, you don't know how to take it. you both find it eerie and you're laughing at it at the same time. And, and yet underneath it, for me, there's this very poignant, beautiful tale of a family that's struggling and and the the humor is one of their defense mechanisms and actually they're kind of bantering with each other is their language of love and so so it it has that supernatural on the on the edges right on the edges and i love that balance of things and it's contained nature too is something i love
0: oh yeah talk to me a little bit about that it is mm. it is so intensely claustrophobic being in this really luxurious townhouse but you you get very
1: little glimpses of the outside world. Yeah, I I, I think when I told Apple I said we're going to we get into the show and we're never leaving this brownstone essentially. And or we'll move out on the street but we'll we'll always be attached to this brownstone and if you see the outside world it's only through devices. And I think they thought that was a cool conceit, but then I'd back off of it eventually and start to do it like a normal show. <laughs> and, and then each script came in and they were like, wow, you're not leaving the Brownstone. Oh, wow. Episode eight, you're not leaving the Brownstone. Episode nine, you're not leaving the Brownstone. And then the second season, they're like, wow, episode 15, you're not leaving the Brownstone. I'm like, we're not leaving the Brownstone. <laughs> I, lo- I love containment because it it, it evokes participation on the, on the viewer's part and makes it a, a mutual art form. I require you to stay active and finish the painting. What is it outside? Where do they come from? Where did she, what does her work look like? Uh, what was that noise outside? Who is outside? This is a small st- a story of one family and one house in Philadelphia, but it has this kind of larger biblical implications. And these came from all, all of those amazing movies that I watched, that the classics, and you know, there's a poster right now in my office that I'm staring at. It for The Exorcist, and the same same thing, a brownstone in Georgetown, and a, the story of, you know, good versus evil is playing out. Did you talk
0: about what sort of rules you would have in staying in this world? Because you you do see the outside world in in newscasts, you see it on Facetime, and then there are these moments where either going to the car or following someone, maybe one or two doors down, we
1: do get like a little distance from the house. Yeah, there's this almost kind of, um, it's like silly putty a little bit. Like I'm pulling it, I can pull you. And as the seasons go on, I'm gonna pull it just a little bit more, but you'll always stay anchored to the brownstone. So the rules are, you can go anywhere on a device. they just have to see it through a device. So Dorothy's newscasts, where she gets to do all these wonderful, crazy things around the city. You get to see the city that way. And then the investigation that uh, the people are doing, the boys are doing to find out who Leanne is, they get to go all over the United States, essentially. And we get to see that. I've I've been urging the writers and the directors to always be expansive in those moments. So we get to see these really cinematic things, but being forced to watch them through these kind of straw to a straw.
0: What are the sort of perks and challenges of operating in that medium of like viewing things through the straw? Because it, it was almost kind of prophetic to the content that's being made right now with people having such limitations over what they can film and how they can film. Yeah. So speaking about the FaceTime specifically,
1: how did that work? You know, it's funny. It, it would seem like it was reverse engineered because we're making the show for Apple. And and so there's so many devices in the, in the show, but I, actually it wasn't. It was... A show about seeing the world only from the, this family's world, and I do that. I do that a lot in my movies too. I just find it a more interesting take on things, and the movies that I've adored have done that as well. It's my style of storytelling—an insinuative style, which. I, I'm more a minimalist and, you know, I'm not, I, my mind doesn't even know how to do CGI. It just, it's, 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 it's hard. It's, it's, it's kind of something I'm not very good at and I have to work really hard at it. And CGI for me is best use in my movies for when to make you not know what we're doing to kind of erase the wires and do, do things like that. And I love plays and the idea of almost shooting a play with this small cast in this, this contained location. And, you know, however long this show lasts, let's say it is four seasons and 40 episodes or whatever it is, that you got to feel what it was like to be just in this house with this family. And I am going to expand it a little bit each season, a little bit, as you see in this. And you'll see in the second season, it expands a little bit to another another place that you haven't seen.
0: For lack of a better term, I don't know what your relationship with the word is, but you are regarded as an auteur, I I think you're best known for the projects that you you wrote, directed and produced yourself. Having to sort of delegate a lot of the work in this show, having other directors come on board, what is the process like for you of, of relinquishing some power while also keeping your stamp on it and
1: making sure that there's that
0: like through line?
1: You know, that's a great question. And it has been, I think the great joy of this show for me that we were able to do what you just asked, which is the balance of bringing all these wonderful artists to kind of help tell these stories. And yet still I get to do it in a language that is very specific to me. And these are some of the ways that we did it. I set the tone of the piece by, by doing the pilot. I am heavily involved with every, everything that's written, every idea that goes in. I choose every director. And the directors come from essentially things that I have seen that I have loved. So in this in this second season, the first two were directed by Julia D'Arconeau, whose movie Raw I saw. Uh, she's from France. And I just flipped out over it. So when I went to France, I hung out with her and I said, you got to do something with me. I'm going to, you know, please. And then... I hired her to do that. And then Lisa uh, Berlman did a movie called Blew My Mind, and I loved that, and I asked her to come and direct. And then Isabella Ekloff did a movie called Holiday, and I, I loved that, and I called her and I asked her to direct. So we're already starting from storytellers who I admire and whose tastes I love. So we're, my partners are already in a vein that I'm like, wow, we're really lucky to have these, uh, these filmmakers. And so even that is my taste, right? Even though I'm, I'm bringing these artists from around the world to, to do these uh, episodes, so they're there and, and then I'm really hands-on. I mean, upstairs, right, and up there is a, a theater where I do all the sound effects and I do all the color adjustments and, and the scores come in and, and I listen to them and then we watch them in there. And so every footstep, everything, it is chosen from here, from this, from our, my house here. And so what does that all mean? That all means that unconsciously, the audience could feel that this is coming from some one place and, and emanating out all, and, and many, many artists are helping to tell that story, but it is kind of a one vocabulary.
0: Tell me a little bit about how food plays into the show, sure. specifically the way that you shoot it and and it's just sort of existence in the, in the background.
1: You know, I think the great thing about collaborating on on this long form piece, as opposed to my movies, is that the artists come and bring their interests to the table and their little slant. And Tony, I think, was a chef. Tony, who wrote the pilot and wrote all our episodes of first season. And so he loves food and incorporated food into the story in a way that almost allowed us to act out a lot of the violence or the beauty or the passion of the things that we're talking about in those episodes. It is another way to unlock the, the visuals of the piece so that it doesn't feel like, oh, we're just in these seven rooms and we're never leaving those seven rooms. There's the beauty of that. There's There's life, there's death, there's all of this artistry in it. And it really has come to be kind of signature to the piece that you know, the uh, seeing seeing everything playing out in a physical form uh, in the cooking has become this kind of obsessive art form for this one character. But it has represented a lot of things for us in this in the way we're telling the story. So that would be another example of a great artist bringing something to the table and adding to uh, the vision here.
0: Speaking about the directors again for a moment, I read that, yeah. that you had a,
1: a boot camp for them. <laughs> well, it's not a boot camp. It's a, you know, when they, here, here's the thing, the, most of the filmmakers I'm hiring are, f- are film directors and they're, they're auteurs themselves. And they've been so gracious to come And Most of them, this is their first time coming and doing a long form series. I don't even know what to call it anymore. I don't know. Is is it TV shows? I don't know what we call, what we do anymore, but this long form storytelling. And I say to them, I want your tastes. I want you to make choices. So, so part of this boot camp you're referring to is me saying, if you're going to do a a scene with a mid shot and a mid shot, you're going to need to explain to me why the two characters feel the same thing. You cannot just, defer and not make a choice. So you need to think through every shot. You need to have, you need to be able to defend it with me. I do not want, you know, just uh, material. I don't want, I don't want um, you not to be in the decisions that you make. So be okay with making a mistake. And the way we shoot it, we're very tight. We're very economically uh, responsible. And we go back and we reshoot all the time. Because we were high risk, you take high risks and you go, wow, that, that, and that worked. That one didn't work. And so let's talk about why it didn't work. Try another variation on that. And the actors and the directors, they love it and they go back and they go get it again and again. And we don't, we don't look at it as failing. We look at it as learning. The failure would come in that someone gave me something generic. And I would say, so you don't want to look, you don't want to be there in dailies when I'm there and I'm like, wow, that was, really ordinary that there's a there's i could probably hire anybody to do that and then they 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 get really you know upset and i'm like i want you yeah. so what what you know what is your point of view of a husband and wife fighting what is your point of view of this character are you angry how can you support them and and that gives it cinema and you know so basically that and i just tell them you know here's my philosophy about how I shoot and, you know, you don't have to do what I'm doing. In fact, if you try to copy me, it will come off as non-authentic. So you, you, you can't do it the way I'm doing it, but this is the philosophy. I do give the rules, hey, you can't leave the house, that kind of thing. So like a director once, once started to shoot something that was, you know, on a camera phone, but not actually from the camera phone. I said, well, you can't do that. You can't, you, I'm, I'm, you know, even though the location you're in is incredibly beautiful, you're going to have to hold that camera up, like the camera phone up and do it. And, and, and I said, these are the rules. But other than that, I, I really want their, their imprint. And I think that's going to be our, our secret weapon of our show. If As you watch the show progress, as you watch second season, you'll, you'll see this stamp that, that, wow, this particular person was the only person that could have told that story that way. Are you collaborating with new directors in the second season? Are you bringing on new people? What's the what's the mix? Yeah, the ones I just mentioned were were new. Two of them were new, and so that's really exciting. And it, it, what's really interesting, it just so happens that I there was a lot of movies that I liked that were directed by female directors around the world. So so far in second season, I'm the only male that has directed this season, and it's been fantastic look there's two major female characters in our piece too so i think that you know that kind of edginess and and be able to tell their story is 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 resonating with me when i see films i'm like oh wow that's great like when i saw holiday uh isabella's movie i i thought it was super dark and super funny and and had a a control of the frame that I thought was, was formalistic in a way that I like for our show. And so like that, so it was, and I, you know, right now after we're done here, there's, there was a, a filmmaker, I won't say whose who's name, but it was an up and coming filmmaker. I, I think she's German and she has a short film that I'm gonna look at. And so may or may not make, you know, become on list, but this is how I'm like reaching out and finding those next amazing filmmakers. What do you look for? Oh yeah, okay. Well I look for distinction in their point of view that I can see that they have made a choice and they understand the, the intuitively how to use the camera, how to get grounded performances. I need to feel a consistency of language. Anything will work. You can do a soap opera, you can do a musical, you could if you if you do the language consistently and the audience knows in instantaneously as you start. Wow, there's a language to this. Like for example, like if you watch It Follows, the movie It Follows and it starts, you go I I get this language right away. You are you understand, oh, this isn't not a this isn't a slasher movie like I've been used to. This is wow, this is methodical and, and formalistic and 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 there's a control of the frame and and so that's the language of the piece. And by the way, that cinematographer is our is our cinematographer Mike from, oh, wow! from It Follows. Yeah.
0: Call it television, call it long form, it has cliffhangers, which are very unique to the medium. Can you tell me a little bit about how you wanted to visually end these episodes and sort of punctuate them um, and more dramatically how you wanted to end the season?
1: Yeah, this is the interesting and new part for me, uh, working with the writers to come up with these, the cadence of the storytelling, because having worked in the two hour medium for my whole life, and the one that I kind of, I genetically understand, you know, you know, uh, it, it's almost like a math movement. You know, the, the Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, and The Village are all 107 minutes. And that is because there's just like a, a rhythm that I hear it in and it comes up. This is completely new to me. So uh, I, I trust the writers that know this and the movement. And what I love about our format, this half hour thriller, there's no fat. So I love it. So you can have one feeling, one like punch all the way through aiming to this moment of like, oh, this, the, where does that lead? All right, let's watch the next one. And, and I like that feeling. And at the end of the season, you have to go like in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm just figuring it out now, but I'm feeling like it's in four parts. And the end of the first season one, you adjust and you go at the end of it, you go, wait, a cult, huh? And then you yeah, I just went click and now you 're aiming in that direction, and then at the end of season two it should go click, and then you aim me that and it's all aiming to a larger picture as you're unraveling and unravelling oh, I was looking at a painting, but I now I realize I was only looking at the left corner of that painting um, that's the fun fun part also of storytelling of of revealing where you are in the story you You've said that ideally there's a
0: sixty episode plan for the show. Where are you in terms of thinking about the broader
1: story and, and how long it could go and and how you want to pace it? You know, I, when, I, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm watching the world and I'm watching the way it's consuming material. I'm also watching the streamers, which essentially is a new format, right? It's a, a bingeable format. And how does that work? And how do people consume long form stories? Who has been able to Sustain. The only thing I care about is that our first episode to our last episode was at the same artistic level. This, is, this doesn't work for me doing this format if we're going to just start good and then start to deteriorate and let everything go. That, 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 I'm not interested in contributing to that uh, kind of storytelling. I, I want to struggle and fight and want all of them to be great. It feels like Six seasons, the way we consume is, is hair long. That's what I'm starting to feel, mm-hmm. that, that people are different at that point. Six years is a long time, um, the way we consume things. So I'm, 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 I'm feeling it out a bit right now. And even for me as a storyteller, how long I want to be choosing the sound effects up there for the same, same story. And, and, and so those, those, this is the first time I'm doing it. So I'm kind of feeling it out a little bit. But the greatest shows for me that were able to sustain a movement, whether it's Sopranos or Breaking Bad or there's not that many, right, that have been able to go f- from first to the end with the integrity. That's the most important thing for me, that we can finish the story with the same integrity.
0: Do you have a preference of how people would consume it, be it weekly
1: or, or all at once? No, look, I would rather they consume it weekly. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're we're putting in this is not meant to be disposable. The way we're doing it, we're really careful about the choices of you know the 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 fabric that she's wearing, the 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 patterns versus the patterns on the wallpaper, the choice of the frames, when do we use uh, zooms, when don't we use them? You know, is there a steady cam in, the, in this? All of that's been carefully chosen. It isn't like, hey, let's get out there and just make material. The problem with this format in general is it's so much material and it's unending, unrelenting, that invariably the the quality level gets hit from that. You know, it's, hey, make, make 10 movies at a high level right now, right after the other. Go, go, go. This is really, really hard. It's really, really hard. And so... The the idea of doing half hours, the idea of containing it, the idea that it's play like there's a very small amount of actors that that we we control everything here. This is all intended to keep the quality level as high as possible. How intrigued are you by
0: long form? You've done much more film than you've done television. You you also produced Wayward Pines. I know you're working on several films now in addition to this show, but do you have the seeds of something
1: long form that you'd want to do? How much do you think about that? I think about it a lot because I want to make sure, um, it's so time consuming. Is, can, is this physically possible to do? I'm not interested in franchising myself out, right? So just say, Hey, we're going to do five shows. I'm going to throw my name on it, you know, and, and there we go. That, that would be not in my genetics, I think. So I, can I do one more show with this? Can I do one more show with this and make my movies? Can I do one more show with this and produce one movie in my movie? Do I have to choose between producing a movie and producing a season of TV? There's just a finite amount of time and love to go around um, when you wake up in the morning to get inspired by that painting or by that song and which, which project are you giving it to? I've learned so much. So I would say this, I've learned so much on Servant as a person, as an artist. It's affected my new movie so much, how I've approached it, um, how I've, thought about casting, how I've thought about the storyboarding, just my muscles are in different places from having done uh, this season and a half of Servant and in a very, very good way, being able to see how storytelling works from just a slightly detached place where where I'm not living and dying with every decision, I can be like, wow, why are we stuck in that area? What is it about that scene or whatever? And I can actually analyze it and I can work with all these amazing filmmakers, both the edit- editors, the, the the composer. I get to work with new voices that are really exciting me. Some of them, it's their first times doing these things, and they're just they're they're ballsy and they're they're reminding me take huge risks. And and so I'm I'm, I'm taking a bunch of them from the TV show, and they're working on my movie. I've been trying to to constantly not make myself comfortable and content. So from the visit and Split and Glass and Servant and now the new movie, I want new voices to kind of shock me and wake me up. And so this has just been such a learning uh, in a great way. So there's so much more for me to learn than just saying, hey, we're making a TV show. This is something that's benefiting me in so many, so many levels. Your cast is overwhelmingly british for a <laughs> show set in
0: philadelphia um did you put them through some sort of grueling screening to make sure that they could nail american <laughs> mid-atlantic
1: <laughs> yeah they did they did the auditions in in american yeah. accents you know i think it's i think in the slightest way i i'm very open about my bias towards theater trained actors that that's just where uh, i i live in terms of uh craft if you're a theater trained actor and you've learned to get on that stage and the words start coming out and they're angry and you just go with it right you can't start over again you, you go oh wow that came out angry and then then you're, the person next to you is now reacting to oh my god she just said that so angry this is this is the 15th time we've done this before and she's now angry all right i gotta react to that not the way i've been doing it and so they're trained to be to commit and and go and I don't do a lot of coverage as we talked about, and I don't, I don't encourage the filmmakers that come to work for me to do coverage. Um, we're responsible, but I don't encourage them to, to, to do shots to make things safer. Oh, okay, let's do its close-up, let's do its wide, that kind of thing. And in fact, you'll hear it more often than not the other way. I'll watch dailies with them and I'll say, you don't really need these shots. You know, You know that, right? Just this shot. That's that's the most powerful shot. And I need actors that can just go with that and and totally commit to the word and love take seven because that's the opportunity to do it this way or that way. So a a lot of times I get, you know, British trained actors that are have done theater um, like James McAvoy when I hired him to do. Uh, Split. He had just, I think, he just won Best Actor on at the West in the West End for a performance there on stage, and that trained him for all the stuff that we did in Split, you know, and to commit, and especially like a role like that, which is you just have to commit. You're switching personality to personality and commit. And I have found with my long take and formalistic style of shooting that theater trained actors thrive in that environment.
0: Given the constraints that were all under right now uh and the fact that you can't be shooting in this exact moment what are you working on with the show and and has this room to breathe uh given you the opportunity to look at anything a little differently
1: you know absolutely it's been i try in general to take every challenge i think you know if you're a filmmaker you have to go oh they shut down that street all right we have to shoot it this way you have to take everything as a an opportunity to do it in a different way and for us we shot the first six episodes of season two when this happened and I shut it down on that Friday, which is nine weeks ago today. So nine weeks exactly today, we shut it down. So we had, nine, we had the first six episodes completed. So for, the, for this hiatus, well, the pandemic uh, quarantine, I've been editing and putting the music in and you know, doing all the post-production on those first six. And then we were finishing the scripts for the last four. So we've really used the time to give the love and attention. I've had the time to do the love and attention to the first six episodes that way. And then also really fine tuning the last four scripts. So whenever we can come back, we're ready to go. And now we're putting our writer's room together and, uh, for the, the, the next seasons. And we're going to be doing that. And I have a board in my house and I've been jotting down ideas for the future episodes and future seasons. So I'll walk by and I'll be like, Hmm, that happens. Oh, you know, I just had an idea about what happens there. Oh, okay. And I'll laugh and I'll write the thing up. And, and then I write another one and another one. And when the board's full, I type it all in and then I erase it and we do another one. And, and I feel like the, I was, I was telling someone in my office, because they haven't obviously I haven't seen anybody in my office. I was telling them, man, I got a lot of ideas for these upcoming seasons. It's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And I can see I'm starting to see how to finish it, how to how, I know what I want the end to be. And I, I'm starting to see how that movement goes there. So I've been using the time to the great benefit of the show. And I think the show, when you see it and the second season and the future seasons will have benefited from this time of living with it, you know, living with it and, and not being rushed to work on a script while you're shooting another one, which is obviously the standard because there's so much unrelenting demand in this long form that this has given us a chance to do like we did the first season, have everything ready. We had nine scripts done before we we shot from one frame in the first season. And we are now having that feeling for the second season. Before I let you go, we're gonna do a, a quick lightning round. If you had to
0: quarantine with one of your co-stars or crew from Servant, who would it be? And I don't think that you can Say the the doll. <laughs>
1: <laughs> with one of the crew members you're saying or, or co-stars. Yeah. I wow. Well I can't I mean I can't say one of the actors, can I? Because then the other actors will get upset if I say, Oh, I always want to hang with that person. Um let's see. I mean to some extent I feel my my natural when you said that, my my tendency this is very practical answer, so it's gonna be very boring was to quarantine with the cinematographer <laughs> so so we could start, we could think about shots and themes and lighting and textures and all those things that we want to relish in and really kind of uh, hold ourselves to. We've had some amazing cinematographers that have come in. Mike did most of it, but Jaron, who came in and did one of our episodes, was nominated this year for Lighthouse. And Marshall, who worked on Breaking Bad and other things, he came and helped us. And Gabrielle, who, who uh, shot Lisa's movie, Blew My Mind, came in and shot. So we've had really exceptional DPs come in. And I, I, I probably would quarantine one of them and just storyboard forever. Uh, Is that a a boring answer? Were you you looking for like, hey, I would like to play Twister with that person kind of answer?
0: I think that it's an incredibly practical answer and it works. (laughs) Okay. If you had to recommend one show, movie, book, podcast that you've been into during this period, what would it be?
1: I've been reading a lot and um, I'm trying to think show... Movie-wise, I've been seeing so many older movies and Tarkovsky and Bergman and... Kind of, you know, going back to film school, because my big complaint is I've been I, I you, you get to do, make movies and make shows and you don't get to learn anymore. You don't get to go and just be a student and do what you did that got you here. And now I'm, I'm getting that chance to do that. And you have to you have to sit at the at the at the feet of the masters to uh, to let them kind of wash over you and remind you about integrity and stop achieving and just, you know, feel something
0: that kind of answers the last question. Um, but if you have another, um, what's one way that you would say your, your life has really improved during this time staying at home?
1: You know, I have found every time there's been a kind of a stumble or failure, or that's not the word I'm looking for, um, obstacle that that's the moment of transformation that has benefited me, uh, in my life. And, this is feels, feels like that again, this kind of, hey, stop everything and take stock of what inspires you and put together a set of healthy habits that you would want your life to be forever to be a part of. You know, so the, it, it sounds boring, but sleeping better and reading amazing books and watching amazing movies and spending your time dreaming in the right ways about things and understanding why you're doing something and why you're not doing something rather than you can, it's so easy to get lost, right? All of us, just 5%, we just go off the, just 5% do something without integrity to ourselves, I'm saying to us, and it starts to slide away. And this has been giving me the opportunity to recalibrate back and say, you know, hey, like, like for example, for my new movie, like I feel super confident about the choices I'm making and working hard. And even, you know, there is nothing that scares me about this. So if it meant failure ahead, absolutely. Let's go fucking fail with this, with this, doing it this way, right? Let's go. There's that feeling of, you know, uh, burn the house down for this. This is, this feels absolutely right. And to get to that feeling you have to know yourself, you have to be inspired and then weird stuff starts happening. Dude, you, you'll, you'll walk by the, the shelf and you'll see this one book that you're like, huh, and pull it out and there'll be the exact right thing that you read that inspires you. That's it, I know how to do that thing and that keeps happening and happening and I guess it's just kind of being more open to that you're, we're all connected to a much larger thing. Some people call it God, universe or just energy or whatever and I, li- I like like slowing down so that you actually can have more. Yeah, that's
0: great advice. I think we'd all be better served if we did that.
1: Knight, thank you so much for joining me today. This was great. Well, thank you for having me. You're my first quarantine interview. This is uh, after nine weeks talking to someone that I don't know. This is fantastic. (laughs) It's it's an honor. A new friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me.
0: Be sure to check out Servant on Apple TV Plus and join us next week when we'll be speaking with talent from another Apple TV Plus series.
1: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?